Hey, good morning, Kettlebrook family. Well, my name is Dan Kalman. I'm the site pastor for our Kiwaskum location. And if you are visiting with us this morning, we're uh, really glad you could join us. I'm glad you could just be here with us. And what we're doing, like Greg said, is we're continuing on to our second week of uh, a series called Saturate, being disciples of Jesus and the everyday stuff of life. Uh, and then last week, we had our one service gathering down at our, our West Bend site. And Ryan Latour, our Jackson site pastor, kicked this series off for us. And it's based largely around the same book by author and pastor Jeff Vanderstelt. And so like Greg said, um, we should have copies of these available each week. And I really do encourage you to, to pick one up. All right. Imagine this with me. Okay, you are out to dinner at a restaurant, and if you have a spouse or have a family, picture them there with you. And uh, just as the meal is kind of finishing up and you guys are getting ready to go, all of a sudden up to your table comes your insurance guy. Now, I don't even know really what my insurance guy looks like, so, but somehow you know it's your insurance guy. And he says, hey, good to see you. Uh, I've got good news uh, I just want to let you know that your plan uh, it, it has you covered for any major catastrophe like fire, water, tornado, that, that protection is just built in for you. And you'd probably be doing what most of us would be doing, which is, okay, like, all right, bud, <laughs> good to see you. Um, hey, how about if we want to talk insurance, I'll call you. <laughs> and he kind of recognizes the awkward situation. He's like, oh, oh, sorry to intrude. Um, yeah, just remember, uh, water, fire, tornado, <clears throat> you're covered, you're good. So that's, that's the, uh, the good news. All right, well, see ya. And then he's turning to go, and you're thinking to yourself, like, wait, the good news? What, what's the bad news? And he, he turns back, he's like, oh, right, well, well, while you were at dinner, there was a tornado, and it ripped through half of your house, which then caused your water pipes to burst, and then that sparked your electrical, and that burned down the other half of your house. Oh, see, sometimes for the good news to be seen as good news, we need to know the bad news, even when it seems inconvenient. But here's the thing. I'm not sure that we always understand the gospel as being good news. And, and part of that is because I don't think we always fully understand the bad news. But the bad news, uh, really for us to understand that and understand the good news, in my life and in yours, we really need to understand what that bad news is. We need to understand the depth of what that bad news is. And that bad news is sin. Uh, and this morning we're looking at gospel power and specifically being a people saturated with the power of Jesus in regard to sin. Sin is very real and it's powerful and it affects our past, present, and future. It, it can affect the way we live. Uh, it can affect the way we live because of things that uh, may have happened or things that may have been done to us in the past. It can affect the way we live because of things that uh, are going on right now. And it can affect the way we live because of things that may or may not happen one day. And our sin and the sins of others uh, and then maybe that others have done to us can leave us with guilt, shame, fear, feelings of accusation, uh, anxiety, hopelessness. Sin can leave us anchored to our past, burdened to our present, or afraid of our future. That's, that's the bad news. Uh, but the good news is that we can be saved from sin. 
The good news is that in Jesus Christ, we have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin, and we will be saved from the presence of sin. And let me, let me say that again. The good news is that in Jesus Christ, we have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin, and we will be saved from the presence of sin, past, present, and future, both from our sin and sin that's been done to us. God has power and victory over it all. And he wants us to live in the freedom provided for us through his power displayed through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in Romans, Paul says, the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. And it comes through faith, from faith, for faith, and by faith. It's, it's faith in God throughout. And Jeff Vanderstelt, whose uh, book that we're basing this series on, puts it this way. The entirety of the Christian life is about faith in God and his power to save. It isn't as though you begin with faith and then you go on with works. You begin trusting with God and then you go on with trusting yourself. You start with believing the gospel, then you've got to work really hard with all your strength and power. No, it starts with faith in God to save. It's filled with faith in God to save and it ends with faith in God to save. And I think we see this clearly displayed for us throughout the book of Colossians. And so if you have a Bible with you, I'd love for you to pull it out and to follow along with me. Uh, We're not going to have any scripture on the screen. I'd love for you actually to crack that Bible open and and dig through it with me. If you'd like one, I think Michelle's going to grab some extras. It looks like probably the ones we stuck out. And so if you want one, just wave at Michelle or Bill when when she comes back. Um, But Colossians 1, and Colossians is a little letter in the New Testament, and it's tucked between Philippians and 1 Thessalonians, um, and that is on um, page 833 um, in the Red Bibles, if you have one of those. This morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at several passages of Scripture that Paul writes to the Colossian church about what it looks like to be a people saturated with the power of Jesus and who are being saved from the penalty, power, and presence of sin. Before we jump in, actually, I'd like to pray together. So please pray with me. Father, I thank you for your word. Uh, I thank you for um, your word, which displays your glory. Uh, it displays your truth. It displays your power. It, it reminds us and it points us to who you are. And so, Father, uh, this morning, again, I ask that you would continue to remind us who you truly are, that you would reveal yourself in our lives in the ways that we need you Uh, and that you just open this scripture up to our eyes and to our hearts, um, that we would really uh, come to trust in uh, what what these words of scripture um, really um, lead us to about who you are. And so we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, well, in, in the first chapter of Colossians, Paul gives us some good news, really, some really great news. Uh, and it, it's about what it can look like for life to be saturated with Jesus' power. And Paul says that he, he's heard of the Colossians' great faith, uh, that he keeps praying for them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will and through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And the cool part is why. Why he's been praying this for them. 
And he goes on to give them this vision of what a life saturated with the power of Jesus can look like. So let's look at Colossians 1, uh, starting with verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Doesn't that sound awesome? (laughs) Uh, That's what life looks like when it's saturated with Jesus, bearing fruit, uh, growing in the knowledge of God, having great endurance, patience, joy, and redemption comes through the power of God's glorious might. And Paul shows us that we have been saved, we are being saved, and that we will be saved. So if you look at verse 12, it says he has qualified us. And then in verse 13, that he has rescued us. That's past tense. And then verses 11 and 12 say bearing, growing, and being. That's, that's the present. And then again in verse 12, it says about the inheritance in the kingdom of light. And that's the future. I think actually it helps if we, we lay it out like this here. We have the past where we have been saved from the penalty of sin. The present, we are being saved from the power of sin. And then the future, we will be saved from the presence of sin. Past, present, future. In Jesus Christ, we have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin. And we will be saved from the presence of sin. And that is good news. Well, last week, as I've been uh, driving around, uh, I've just really enjoyed some of the views. You know, when it gets so cold like this with the the trees and the lakes, it just gets really pretty outside. And uh, there's this one point on the back way uh, to the church office as you're kind of heading to the UW campus that um, there's between the freeway and the campus, there's just sort of this valley that goes down. And it's just, the last week or so, it's just gotten so beautiful that I've just found myself staring at it while I've been driving. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, to the detriment of my driving. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know about the cars that you've owned, but every car I've ever owned has, always seems to have had a pull to it. Almost all my cars had a right pull. It's like they always wanted to yank me off the road. My car now has a left pull. So instead of wanting to drop me off a cliff, it would prefer to kill me via oncoming traffic. Um, so thank you very much, my car. And so I'm, I'm driving, and I'm just, of course, like staring into this beautiful valley, and I'm just like, wow. And of course, what happens? Uh, I, without knowing it, I kind of uh, I stop paying attention to the road a little bit, and, I, and I start, my car starts pulling me into the center of the road. And, and by the time I kind of like realized what was happening, I was kind of halfway into the other lane. And good thing nobody else was. I bring this up because I think we'd probably all be able to identify where sin has a natural pull in our lives, where we tend to drift towards, um, where sin holds power over us, where it potentially binds us, and where we continue to need God's salvation. It might be something from your past 
It might be something going on right now in your present. It might be something that's unknown in the future. And I think Paul understood this because in the beginning of Colossians 1, he talks about what he had been praying for the believers. Namely, it was a prayer for how their daily life would look like as they walked in the kingdom. And I think we can kind of picture it this way. We've got a guy, he's kind of walking the kingdom life, but what can happen is that the penalty of sin from our past the power of sin then from our present and then the presence of sin in the future can bind us. We can get caught up and weighed down by sin. In Ephesians, Paul says that sin can entangle us and ultimately it keeps us from living the kingdom life that we just read about. When we're not submitting our lives to Jesus Christ and believing in his salvation, we can drift and like my car, and I, and I think we can pull often into one of these areas that still weighs us down or holds us back, steals our joy, robs us, and it causes us fear, or has power over us, where we continue to need God's salvation. And of course, the good news, though, is that in Jesus Christ, we have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin, and we will be saved from the presence of sin, past, present, and future. And the sin from our past is really the first thing I think that needs to be addressed. And so let's take a look um, together at Colossians 1, uh, 21 through 22. Colossians 1, 21 through 22. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Once you were alienated, you were enemies. That's, that's past tense. But then it says... But now, but now you've reconciled yourself. And now you've earned God's favor. Now you've earned holiness. <laughs> no, but now he has reconciled you. And he did it through the physical death of Jesus Christ, the only one who was perfect, who died for you so you and I could be made holy in God's sight without blemish or accusation. Now, a couple of days ago, I had one of those overly quiet child moments, you know, where you just kind of know that your kid is up to something because they're a little too quiet. Uh, and so I walked in my daughter's room, and sure enough, she'd taken a marker and drawn on the love seat uh, in her bedroom. And so here you go, take a look. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, it was a self-portrait. <laughs> She's three and a half, so it's hard not to think it's cute, even though it's wrong. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, while she knew it was wrong, and, you know, and she knew she had done wrong, that she had made a sad choice, and she knew she had sinned. And so when I walked in, she right away just kind of like cowered down and kind of crouched in the corner and had her head down, and, and I could just see she was feeling just the, the guilt and the shame of sin, and that she was also she also had the fear of consequence. And now I don't know if it was because this is probably one of the cutest drawings I've seen <laughs> in a while. Um, but I, I'd like to think really that it was the power of Jesus working in me um, that I didn't have any feelings of anger 
or um, of being upset, but instead my heart really just kind of broke. And it made me think that one day she may make bigger mistakes, bigger sins. Uh, And instead of feeling like she needs to run and hide in fear and guilt, um, I really would hope that she could feel safe to tell me whatever she may have done, knowing that I'll always be there for her, that I'll always love her, I'll always be there to try to help her and fix it. In the same way, when she sins, I want her to know that she can run straight into the arms of her father. She doesn't have to run from God um, and that he loves her, that, um, that she can always run right to him no matter what. And that's the gospel, that Jesus Christ has saved her from the penalty of sin. And, and so we talked about it, that it was wrong, and, um, but that I, I told her I forgive her or I forgave her because Jesus has forgiven me for so much. And all those emotions of, of fear and guilt and shame really just kind of seemed to melt away. And, and so I took another picture here, which I, which I think shows that. <laughs> so I knew I wanted to be careful. She understood that this was really bad uh, and not to do it again, but that it didn't change my love for her. Seriously, right? <laughs> now, now, the back end of this story is kind of interesting because we tried to wash the cushion cover, uh, but the drawing didn't come out. And so that love seed that was perfectly clean now seems to be permanently stained, blemished. And my daughter, who hadn't done anything like this before, uh, definitely did something wrong so she could possibly continue to feel the accusation uh, of uh, sin and of mistakes but here's the thing. Uh, what my daughter did in the love seat, that's just, that's just a pretty small deal, right? Um, I know many people who've had some pretty serious, selfish, uh, deplorable things done to them, and they now feel blemished, dirty, and imperfect. And I know plenty of people who've made some very big mistakes. Some, some, they've screwed up massively and they feel the accusation constantly of their sinful choices. For me, in, in times when I'm feeling low, I feel like Satan, the accuser, will come and try uh, to, to bring those things up and, and will bring up all, the, all sorts of sins and failures that I've done in my own life and then use those against me and try to form my identity in those things and try to draw me away from Christ. And others who I know who've, who've had great sin done to them, they feel like Satan comes in and they try to, he tries to point out those blemishes and those imperfections caused by that sin and try to form their identity in those things and try to draw them away from Christ. But Paul reminds us that we have been saved from the penalty of sin in our past. And through Jesus Christ's sacrifice, we're presented as holy. And don't miss this. Without blemish and free from accusation. We're presented before God without blemish and free from accusation. In Jesus Christ, we have been saved. And those things no longer define us. They no longer mar us. They no longer hold accusation over us. They no longer hold power over us. In Christ, we have been forgiven and cleansed. Not because of anything we have done to earn this, but by faith in what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf and trusting 
that what he did was sufficient, that we have been saved from the penalty of our sin. And just as importantly, we are being saved now from the power of sin in our present. So let's look at Colossians 2, um, starting with verse 6. Colossians 2, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And now let's skip to verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. The section's so good, we really could keep going. But verse 6 says, Just as you received Christ, continue to receive him, rooted, built up, strengthened, overflowing, putting off and putting to death the sinful nature. And again, don't miss it, not by our power. But like verse 12 says, By faith in the power of God, was powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead. Do you think that your sin is more powerful than God's strength? It's a tough question, right? I think we know from Scripture and maybe within our own hearts, uh, we know that the answer is no, but we, we struggle sometimes to believe it, right? I feel it. I feel it every day that like the drift in my car. It's funny because in the book, um, Jeff had pretty much the same experience I did. Uh, we both have punched doors, very solid doors. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, I can let my anger sometimes get the best of me. And um, one particular day, years ago, um, I was feeling like everything was going wrong and the last thing in the world I needed was for the garage door to swing back and kind of hit me in the arm and cause the shop vac that I was holding to fall out and blow up on the ground with dust going everywhere and then my hand hurt and the, you know, the door maliciously attacked me and so I retaliated and I just slugged it. <laughs> And I've punched things before, but um, I, I definitely knew uh, something went wrong this time. Uh, the door was a solid slab of mahogany, so it didn't go anywhere. It, uh, it didn't even dent. My hand, uh, on the other hand, <laughs> did. And um, I was a little too prideful to go to the doctor for several days, but when I finally got an x-ray, um, he figured that I probably cracked my knuckle, um, broke it, and it was already starting to heal, so... That was that. And uh, unfortunately, there, not unfortunately, but necessarily there was the matter of having to confess my sin um, when people asked why I was not using my hand. And I just remember the boys that I was leading in the youth group uh, looking at me and being like, seriously, you punched a door? How dumb are you? <laughs> Nothing like getting berated from high schoolers. <laughs> and they kept making fun of me going, solid slab of mahogany. <laughs> 
And I'd love, I'd love to tell you that I don't struggle with this anymore, um, that, that I've never punched anything since, but I have. Uh, a box of, of chairs got the Chuck Norris effect about a year ago. It's a fail. <laughs> but aside from anger, there's, there's other sin I continue to wrestle with, uh, other sin I continue to bring before the Lord to seek, uh, to confess and, and to repent from. And I know that there's things that we wrestle with uh, sometimes daily that are bigger than just punching doors um, that you may have prayed for over and over and over, things that might cause you to feel disappointed in yourself uh, or cause you to question your relationship with God or even question God's love for you. But think about this. If my daughter kept drawing on furniture every single day, on which day do I stop loving her? On on, which day do I stop wanting the best for her? Which day do I stop being her father? Drawing on furniture isn't even that big of a deal in in the scope of life. I've known parents of drug addicts who've had to let their children go and, and make the terrible decisions they're continuing to make, but who haven't given up on them, haven't stopped loving them, haven't stopped wanting and waiting for them to come back. If these earthly parents can do that, how much more do you think God, our loving Heavenly Father, doesn't give up on us, doesn't stop loving loving us, doesn't stop wanting and drawing us back to Him? And verse 9 says that the fullness of God dwells in Christ, and the fullness of Christ has been given to us when we trust in Him. He dwells within those who believe. And it says, he is the head over every power and every authority. That means within us dwells the one who has power and authority over everything, even over our sin. And in Philippians, Paul tells us to continue to work out our salvation in the present, but that it's God who works within us to do this both to will and to work. And that means he's the one that changes both our actions and our desires. And our role is submitting, to, submitting our lives to him and trusting him to do it. And our daily, maybe sometimes hourly prayer needs to be, here's my life, Jesus. Please change me from within. Change my heart and my desires. Do your work in my life. And what we see is that he is faithful to continue to save us from the power of sin by his power, which is greater. And then lastly, in Jesus, we have been saved from the presence of sin. So let's look ahead now um, to Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It's the earthly things that distract me. It's the earthly things that cause me to drift Uh, whether it's placing my love in things or my security in what I have or whether it's uh, staying safe by not stepping out. 
Um, in his book, Jeff Vanderstelt says, whatever it is we love most is the very thing we fear losing the most. It's, it's the very thing that becomes an idol to us. You may fear losing your reputation. You may fear being embarrassed. You may fear losing your secure lifestyle or the security found in your possessions. Um, you may fear losing the safety of your children. It might be your job or your relationships or your retirement plans. And again, in his book, Jeff Vanderstelt says, what we love most has a controlling power over us. And this is the presence of sin. A fear of what may happen. And so we're crippled, we're stuck, and we just don't move forward. In my early college days, I worked as a camp counselor. And uh, this one week, we, uh, we, our leaders challenged us to kind of make a list of 10 uh, stretching, out-of-the-box, crazy type of bonding activities that we could do with the kids that week. And uh, one of the, the things that my cabin came up with was to do a high dive off of the highest platform into the lake. This is the platform that was usually reserved for doing epic cannonballs. But here's the thing. I didn't even do dives off of the pier um, I was deathly afraid of diving for some reason. And uh, even though I had helped come up with this idea, I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> like I was just deathly afraid. And the kids were pretty scared too. It's pretty high. And now I wouldn't say I have a fear of heights, uh, more of a healthy appreciation for heights. Um, you know, a sense of caution. And so the idea of letting your legs dangle above your body while your head plummets to the surface uh, really kind of set off every self-preservation alarm I have. (laughs) And so, of course, as the leader, I needed to be the first one to do it. So I just stood there on the platform for like about 30 seconds, just letting it all sink in. And then I was just like, all right, you know, I'm not going to die. Let's do this. And so I went for it. And it was crazy because it was one of the craziest rushes of adrenaline and joy that came from overcoming fear that I've probably ever experienced. Uh, and it was so much fun that our, our whole cabin then, we, we just kept encouraging and cheering on uh, each other as each next kid reached the top of the platform and then did their dive. And every kid in the cabin did it, but one. He just stood there, paralyzed. He couldn't get past his fear. A life saturated with Jesus means we need to jump to go and do and say whatever he asks us, whenever he asks. And Colossians 3 says Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, that our lives are hidden in Christ, that he is our life, he holds our future, and we can rest secure in him. This is what we see, is that one day when he comes again, he will also, we also will appear with him in glory. And the presence of sin on that day will be totally eradicated. We see in Colossians what it looks like to live a kingdom life saturated with the power of Jesus. And we see the good news that in Jesus Christ, We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin. And we will be saved from the presence of sin, past, present, and future. And the only way to see Jesus' saturation happen fully in us is if we continue to live in the salvation from the penalty 
power and presence of sin. If you feel like you're stuck in the past, uh, feeling the weight of the penalty of sin, yours or the sin done to you by someone else, uh, no matter what that sin was, I encourage you to seek the salvation that's found only in Jesus Christ. If you feel like you're stuck in the present, caught up in the same old junk, bound by the power of sin, I encourage you to submit to Jesus' power and his lordship and to trust in the salvation that he wants to continue to work in and through you. And if you feel like you're deathly afraid of of losing what you have, feeling anxiety about your future, feeling paralyzed to step forward in faith, I encourage encourage you to remember that he holds your future securely in the palm of his hand in eternity and that you will be saved from the presence of sin and fear. The bad news is that the penalty is power and the presence of sin can bind us and keep us from experiencing fullness in the kingdom. But the good news is that Jesus Christ, he has saved you from the penalty of sin. He is saving you from the power of sin and he will save you from the presence of sin. And knowing, believing, trusting, and living in his salvation is the beginning of a life saturated with Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your salvation. I thank you for the depth of it, that we can explore scripture and and understand it's not just that we've been saved um, and then now it's up to us. Um, and it's not just, oh, well, one day we will be saved and so we hide away. And it's also not that um, we've been abandoned, uh, that you are saving us still. And so I thank you for that. And I ask that you would help us understand that. I ask that you would help us trust in that, trust in you, trust in your power, that you also would cause within us the ability to believe and have faith in that when we're feeling weak when we're feeling accused when we're feeling blemished when we're feeling afraid that you would work in and work through us and so um, we want to take the opportunity Father to continue to submit to you uh, and, and ask that you would continue to lead us and can continue to speak into these areas of our life And we pray this in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen.